Are we on now? Yeah, we're on now. Oh, hey, what's up? Anders Lee here with Rafat. Rafat here doesn't work as good as Anders. Oh, you know. Yes, you do. Here. Um, we uh, just had an interview today. Alex had to take off, but uh, we were talking with Ian Marks, American cinematographer. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that in a sec. We're talking media today, all right? Um, media. So, he distraction... All right, you got as I people can see. can't focus today, <laughs> and wow. that's something I wanted to talk about a little bit. Is um, I do you remember growing up a lot? There was a lot of people who were anti television, anti television, as we discussed um, a little bit. I guess so that there were. I don't. I know I was left to my own. Right. You know, my mom was at work and stuff like that, so I was a big really big into tv you know yeah. tv kind of tv kind of raised me you know but she was your mom do was she like yes watch tv it's good for you mm. or was she just kind of like no I, 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 I think i think parents were more so worried about kids learning things a little bit too fast i think okay. that's what it was right you know it's it's almost like the um eve with the apple tree situation you know tv was kind of like that apple Oh, it so you got to open up this knowledge yeah. to you, you know, maybe knowledge that you didn't need to know or surface level knowledge. Exactly. Of a whole variety of things, mm-hmm. which is, well, see, my, sin. <laughs> you learn what a sin is. Yeah. <laughs> my experience with it is like I was limited to half an hour of TV a day. And I think that there's my folks are in the, of this mentality, I think was a lot more common back then, mm-hmm. which is like um, TV needs to be limited and you know, maybe we shouldn't even let them be watching them at all. Um, but it's bad. It's a bad. And I remember feeling that when I would watch it. Guilt. Like, yeah, it was this guilt. Like, I'm doing something, like, that's, like, lazy and it rots your brain. And, like, yeah. we're letting you do it for 30 minutes. But, oh, don't you better not enjoy it too much. And what I've kind of come to realize <laughs> is, like, it, because now, and I always fantasize. Did that make you want to do it more? Yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. That kind of gave you. Oh, yeah. See, I like that. I, I like being told no and having that, like, right. that fetish. You fetishized it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. And I used to fantasize about when I grew up, I would just sit and, wa- and watch I would just, the TV. Just all, that's all that <laughs> I would do. That's Yeah, that's what I imagined. But uh, now I really have trouble sitting down and watch even movies too i i used to watch a lot of movies mm-hmm. when i was growing up yeah uh, well i would was limited to one movie a week <laughs> one movie. one movie a week Your parents After, are yeah. i guess we're trying to be good parents but right man, no no no. Wow. their heart was in the right place absolutely what dictators <laughs> <laughs> they're the two of our only <laughs> listeners uh so shout out love ya did a great job overall, but I do think that it's kind of he arbitrary. Said that with a very snark look on his face. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. You guys did great. Good kid. Thank you. Good kid. They'll appreciate that. A lot of character. Thanks. Oozing. <laughs> I don't know if you want. Oozing is ever involved in a compliment. What was your thing that you watched when you were given the... That's tough. Doug. Doug, the Simpsons. Those are your thirty minutes. The, yeah, usually the Simpsons, but when I sometimes Doug, uh, Arthur. Yeah, man. I, TV was just huge for me. Huge. Uh, I remember, like you know, Dad would watch karate movies. My mom wouldn't want me watching them, but that was back in the day where people were as a as a as a way to kill somebody, you broke their neck. That was really popular in the karate movies back in the eighties and nineties. 
A lot of neck breaking. I miss it. I'm, I miss that as a way to kill somebody. Just break their neck. Very personal way to do it. Underutilized form of murder. Uh, yeah. What? So you, for those who are listening and don't know, you're um, not originally from the United States. I'm not. So how did, um, and you moved here 92, in 92 when I was five. Okay. And how did television kind of shape your view of American culture? Mm, you don't think about it that way right so when you when when you're when you're here and you are um you're not thinking about what it's doing to you you know like so i'm like it when when i when i would watch tv i wasn't like american culture it was more so like people that i idolized so it was a mix of like the neighborhood that i grew up in the things that were cool to be into um so it was just very like music sports power rangers ninja turtles and all of those things had to do kind of with each other ninja turtles were like they would rap and stuff like that there was a ninja rap so like i like that Uh uh-huh and then like i don't know like my my favorite athletes would rap everyone was like basically rapping (laughs) wow so if there was so was your goal then to be on a sports a basketball team made up of oh, Ninja Turtles and rappers. <laughs> and rappers. That was my that was my heaven back in the day, yeah. But I, I think that, that got me really into music. I really, really got in to music. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you just saw it as these are things that I like. These are just things that I right. like. I never really thought about it in any other way than that. Uh-huh. These are cool things. These are things that I like. It's the power of good media, man. Right. Good media can uh can alter your beliefs. It really can. You know what I mean? It could it could bring you into another worldview. For sure. I think I think uh, I mean like I had gotten into like early 2000s. I was already I had already ditched the TV kind of. Like we had a TV and I would watch like Chappelle show on it, you know, like on Comedy Central, uh-huh. but by that point I had already ditched TV and I was watching stuff online. Computer boy. I was a computer boy. I mean, you know, you had your porn and and, and, and and internet porn and all that. But, you know, like I was watching shows online. I would like watch uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force online. Like the episodes were like there. You could download them off, off LimeWire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was already consuming media on my computer. Yeah. And that does seem and that kind of goes along with cable, whereas it's a very much an active it, yeah. you're deliberately choosing um, and that's you know something we talk a little bit about is the phenomenon of, with television of choice of I'm going to choose this you know back in the day it was three networks but you still had that um, ability to choose between them um, but it seems like when you when you grow up with cable yeah. and then the internet you that's even enhanced even more so you have even more choices and you are even and you have to become better at curating your own sort of I mean as as a young man I knew that. I had no limits, not only because Master P told me, but just because of the Internet. Yeah. Um, I knew that I could watch whatever the fuck I wanted to watch. Sorry, Anders Lee parents. So even that carries on with me today. I don't pay for Netflix. I don't pay for HBO Go. No, nah, because like I can torrent that 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 stuff like mm-hmm. I can watch it illegally. And I do. And I don't. I could care less about like the high definition. Careful, you don't know who's listening to this. I don't download it. I stream it. Yeah, you know you can't arrest me for streaming. That's the beautiful thing about it. You can't. 
They can arrest me for string. Go I ahead. Know, you never know. Man, Trump's America. I'd, you know, I'd love some free housing and some free food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a good break for me. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, it, it, I guess for me, it, it taught me that rebellion, like that, that everything can just be, everything is accessible through the internet and, and media. I can get everything. to it. Everything. I just a monster. I'm just a m- torrent monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I am. You kinda, weren't like that? Were, no. You, you weren't like radical free internet kid? No. I really, I, I was kind of, um, my time on the computer was kind of limited. I mean, I do know uh, that I used to talk to, I, I would go on AOL chat rooms. Yes, and sir. T- but it was all for the teens. And that's a whole nother we could do to show just about <coughs> the yeah. stuff on there. And I would talk to robots on AIM, Smarter Child. Um, like, you just ask them, what's the weather like in Paris? I remember that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, but for me, like, with TV, um, there was a brief time where, you know, both my parents worked. And uh, so if I was home for the summer and I didn't have, like, camp or Uh-oh. anything... It'd be like, oh, Anders it's is an Anders free rent. But I, we didn't have cable, so I was watching, like, The View. There's an Anders and... anarchy going <laughs> <Yeah>. on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so if I had your experience, I would be a much more cultured, well-rounded person if I was able to surf cable. But instead, I got uh, live yeah. with Regis and Kathy Lee. <laughs> All right. We're talking medium is a message. Hot, cold, media, Marshall McLuhan, manufacturing consent, television. Rough cough. Young blood, Rushkoff, yeah, or Rushkoff. All right, young blood. All young right, blood. You're listening to Left Jest. Peace. Hi, everybody. Andersley here. We are joined this week by our good friend Rufat Agaev. Yeah. And, and also uh, American cinematographers Ian Marks, Ooh. who uh, will be joining us today. Um, thanks for coming on the show, guys. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hey, man. It's great. How are you today, Ian? I'm doing pretty good. I got, I got, uh, I got my beer. Is that? Uh, yeah. I got my Marshall McLuhan. Let's make this four o'clock. My Douglas Rushkoff. Is Douglas that Rushkoff? Is that uh? What, what type of beer is that? This is a uh, a two hearted ale. A Bell's two hearted. Two hearted with ale. a fish. I recognize it. People <laughs> might say that beer is in and of itself a medium. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Um, so, beer is a medium, as we've <coughs> agreed, and uh, the the term medium is the message. I think a lot of people have heard. Uh, it's kind of a, a general phrase, and uh, it, it's not that intuitive of a thing to understand. It just kind of makes sense. And this is uh, something I wouldn't that's be said able to, by regular people? Yeah, I've heard it a bunch. Yeah. Um, just go I, with it. Just go with I, agree, <laughs> you know, I nod my head when people say it. I don't know that I could uh, explain it. Right? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, 
And what Ma- the fuck does that mean? Right. Well, it was coined by a guy, a Canadian fella, Marshall McLuhan, mm. who is now he's been dead for a long time, but he um, was talking about things in a way that didn't always make sense at the time he was talking about them. Right in the sixties, and uh, now a lot of he's kind of he came back into favor a big league like twenty years ago. Big league. Uh, big league. <laughs> Can you say big yeah. league? Big league, big league. I love that. I thought that's what our president says. You got to take what we like. You, you, like we got to make the most of the situation we're in. I kind of like the phrase. Big I league. love big league. Yeah. Let, let me ask uh, before league. we go off into big league land, uh, <laughs> baseball territory over here, people. Uh, uh, Ian and Anders, since you guys knew uh, about this beforehand, how famous is this guy? And when Anders told me to look up stuff on marshall McLuhan before the episode i thought he was our guest and <laughs> i like w- looked at the first thing and i was like he's an authoritative figure in the 60s I was like this is gonna be the world's oldest man <laughs> in our shipping container he's gonna die here but like i had no idea who we he was, should so. get someone to do an impression of him that'd be sick but uh, <laughs> he was <laughs> he was quite well known i mean so give you an example and this kind of synthesizes uh what I'm trying to say about him, which is that I, you know, he's hard to pin down and explain. Annie Hall, the movie Annie Hall. Yeah, right? remember mm-hmm. the scene? You might know him from the, the scene where they're like waiting in line for the movie, and this guy's talking this kind of mm-hmm. psych, intellectual psychobabble, and uh, Woody Allen's like, "Excuse me," and he grabs a, a professor, and that's Marshall McLuhan. The guy's talking mm-hmm. about Marshall McLuhan, mm-hmm. and, and he gets Marshall McLuhan to say. You have no understanding. Right. Yeah. About, well, I got to right. get the words. Particular. You know we'll nothing of my words. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, uh, I th- happen to know what I'm talking about. I, I teach media and theory at Columbia or something. Uh, uh, I know a lot about Marshall McLuhan, etc. And then, yeah, Alan brings him off of uh, from 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 off camera. Yeah, you know? right. It, it's a very like myst- mystical moment, right? Yeah. It's like you mean my whole fallacy is wrong. Yeah, you know nothing of my work. That's what prompted me to really start studying media theory was was actually that scene in Annie Hall just just so I could get the fucking joke. So he had a, like he had a big reach but yeah. did that extend outside of maybe people who were already interested in was this ever a household figure? Was he on well, TV well, for someone who talks about TV all the time? Well, as I was, you know, flipping through a book earlier and it was saying that the name Marshall McLuhan no, it was never a household name, but there were concepts that of his that uh, were more widespread. Mm-hmm. Uh, medium is a message is another one where it's like people I, 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 that's kind of one of those turns of phrase that I, I feel like is kind of common uh, he was but first again, one to say I'm get not... her done <laughs> <laughs> well, her being well, he was, he the was, ideology I feel like he was like a, a linguist in, in some ways you know I don't know if that's like how he would describe himself or like how you know the people who legitimately study his work would describe him but you know he was one of those intellectuals at the time who was trying to understand this this new medium and and how it operated uh the syntax of it at least that's that's sort of what i've come to understand um and so yeah i mean you get people like gene youngblood uh in the 70s and you have people like douglas rushkoff uh today you know who sort of carry that torch all these people have very strong names Rushkoff, Young Blood, McLuhan. <laughs> You're you also it. just making them cooler as you say them. I'm sure that counts. Yeah. Very. Wait, a- they got very authoritative let's names. Let's test it. What's Nate? a weak name in your estimation? What would be a really weak name? 
Oh, I got one. Okay. <laughs> uh, this girl tried to friend me on Facebook Patek. yesterday. No, but Tax a good. That's a name. great yeah. name. Uh, I got a Facebook friend request yesterday that I was convinced was fake from Amy Borge. <laughs> Can yeah. you say that one? You know, like doesn't that sound fake? Very like, so, is it consonant? Is that is that a thing? What what is, what are consonants? Consonants? Yeah, they're co- cl- consonants. Are yeah, close very and all soft sounding. That's you when know. you punch the air. Yeah, right. McLuhan. Very, very French name. Automatopia. Right. That's <laughs> I'm misusing that. But yeah. uh, you're misusing. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know. Uh, so the the term medium is the message. What is that? Media. When you're like studying this stuff, when you're getting into it, how did that please explain term kind of um, involve in your comprehension? For me, it means that um, it's almost like if you say uh, uh, that uh, there's, I'm going to make a film about nothing. Well, that you're in fact saying that the fact that you're making it about nothing is 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 making it about something. You know, the fact that you are are making a film um, or uh, uh, or writing a book, I mean, you're you're in, in, in inherently saying something by the medium that you choose to express your ideas in. I don't know if that that's a complete the, thought. The but choice like, yeah. of your uh, medium or your you know mm. mode of communication. Is, Do you think he was big among Seinfeld circles? Yeah, was, I'm not sure right? if that was just your wording choice there. Maybe some something he was coming at. Where no, but that's everything is something right. Man. So that's kind of that's kind of how protects you 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 boiled it down to everything is something, and I said man man. <laughs> Whenever I think I sound man. like a jackass, I throw a man in there. <laughs> just too short. Well, there are the, the 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 mode of your expression, you know, in and of itself is uh, a part of the expression. Yes. Was was did he critique media? Was he like ah this is shit or, <laughs> or was he just there to talk about the 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 medium itself? The I guess the uh, vessel. He was a media theorist, so media yeah, theorist. I think he was attempting to try to build um, a kind of um, a better understanding of the medium and, and how to harness it and what its effects are. Uh, why on, do you think on he, the audience? Why do you think he has such a such a big resurgence nowadays? Does he? It, uh, is he? Is well, he having one? I thought he, Anderson. It's a renaissance of. Uh, we're talking. Well, what about I'm, so what right I said now. is, and we have a bunch of these books here mm-hmm. that uh, are, you know, taking some of his theories and stuff, and they're from the '90s. They were colorful, and pink <laughs> and purple. We got like crappy cart. Like, describe this, folks. What? Like okay, pastels and uh, yeah. like highlighter colors. It's yes. like like that one video where the dudes like a drawing. A man is a drawing. A ma- uh, it's it's like he's being drawn. Take on me. Chasing. Take on me. Oh, okay. It looks yeah, like take book. on me. <laughs> These yeah. books look like take it's on me. It's a take me. on me book. <laughs> yes. Take on me, dear. <laughs> Not unlike uh, Marshall McLuhan was taking on the status quo of the American Empire media machine. <laughs> Yeah, that well, was the Anders Lee quality segue I just did. I'm <laughs> very you. proud of myself. <laughs> Hats off. Uh, but it well, I think he yep did make a resurgence twenty year twenty thirty years ago. Mm. Um, and I think today <coughs> it's not that it's not relevant anymore, but he really had a finger on where television was going and where media was. And I think some people have attributed him to kind of predicting the rise of the internet. No. I think I think that was a fairly popular concept, though. Right. I mean, I don't. 
I don't know like at what point he started talking about that, but you know, I, I mentioned Gene Youngblood before in his book Expanded Cinema, which I think was published in like 1972, um, talked about the media sphere and how in the future we're not only going to all have robot butlers, but everybody's going to have their own TV station. Yeah. And so I think he was, oh my ha- God. He, was he was half right. Right. And that was um, during a time where a lot of the, you, we were talking a little bit about before the show about people were making video uh-huh. uh, and people who were trying to, you know, just carrying around cameras back mm-hmm. in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s. Which was, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a novel concept at that time. Right. It's um, also important to be specific here. He died in 1980. Yes. So if the dude had predicted freaking Terminator, <coughs> that would have been revolutionary. To be to guess the internet might be coming up was like, you know. So, but, well, I think, well, it's interesting because <laughs> McLuhan was not that political. I mean, he wouldn't say, th- I, I mean, from what I gather, he wasn't really that outspoken about yeah. But a lot of people who were practicing video art and uh um like trying to seize this medium and this is before McLuhan when they were kind of when he was writing uh they were they were trying to do something that was outside of dominant forms of communication well he was uh correct me if i'm wrong he's very like he he, i guess he theorized about the media right but he lived in canada he lived in canada lived in canada and was a devout catholic man so like he kind of was a little bit distant from it you know what i mean so that's what kept him from i guess being like i don't know having strong strong opinions about what was going on and more so just like you could be a catholic canadian have strong opinions on stuff it's not illegal but i mean did he have did he didn't have strong opinions on it right his i don't know that he did just like it's cold and jesus is the one god (laughs) i I don't know that he didn't have strong opinions i i don't from what I gather, I don't think he saw it as his role to kind of yeah. comment on politics in the traditional sense. You know nothing is of my fair? work. Yeah. How funny is that? That's the name of his book, and none of us knew anything about his work. <laughs> you know, we're still laughing. Me and Ian were talking about, I guess, stuff that's going on now. Uh-huh. I don't know if you wanted to, like, segue into that, but we're... <laughs> well, what I... Yeah. Did you? <laughs> I did. Uh... Yeah, this is go a good ahead, direction. Go ahead, this is a positive direction. Well, well, we were, I guess, what we were talking about. Did you say that McLuhan said that during like the '68 debates? 1960. Uh, 19, 1960. 1960. No, this what? was a separate conversation. This oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. presidential debates. The first televised presidential debates in 1960 between Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy. Okay, and 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 people were fucking with. Kennedy because he was more attractive, right? He just came off better on camera. Yes. Now, now how is that? (laughs) It's crazy because nowadays the candidate that we picked isn't like quote unquote the attractive one. Um, they were all super old. Though. Yeah, they were like, all super old. Nobody was turning heads. Although, you know what? Marco Rubio is pretty good looking. Yeah, I mean, actually, Rubio, I think, actually came off best on camera. I don't agree with any of his policies, but I mean. You know, he actually—I think he came off the best on yeah. camera out of any one of those people. On we agree stage. with his with that jawline. Well, yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> <that> <laughs> I think he did that as, to as, a fault though, because as, as long as he stays, you know, hydrated. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but uh, one of his big downfalls was during one of the debates. He he had this. Uh, I w- I was going to call it a monologue, and I think that's uh-huh. an apt description. 
because it was like this rehearsed sort of like well, Obama knows exactly what he's doing, and he well, had the pause, and he did it two or three times, like <coughs> verbatim in the same debate, and it it kind of showed how uh, how rehearsed. So he and, looked fake. He, well, yeah, yeah, he came off way too polished. Right. I think. Do you th- in retrospect? Yeah, and Trump is not. If anything, he's not polished. You know? Do you think that uh, Trump kind of turned some of those theories on their head and? Do you think he kind of played he played the media or like those theories about what would work best? I don't I don't think so. I think it's 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 um media's always I feel like mainstream media's always appeal to the lowest common denominator and if if Trump if nothing else that's what Trump does best. Okay. Um, so this is sort of like the logical conclusion of you know of, of what we're talking about I think. So would you say that so would you say that Trump is like it's it's weird to say this, but like a pop artist almost as a politician. Yes. Ian. Yeah. I mean, people keep on, you know, I, I, on Twitter and Facebook, people keep on posting about the moment that, um, you know, uh, uh, so Trump unzips, you know, the uh, the mask that he's wearing and Andy Kaufman pops out, you know, <laughs> uh, people. I, I'd heard it, you know, on more than one occasion. People expected this to be a huge scam, a huge joke on all of us. Uh and uh, well, you know that would have happened you know before turns. now. Yeah, yeah. that would have. Uh, well, <laughs> a lot of it'd be kind of no, late. Maybe, by maybe, this point. maybe Andy is in there, and the zipper on the mask is Things? stuck. Yeah, and he's like, I guess I'll just be Fox News grandpa forever now. <laughs> I mean, things become popular, you know, like that aren't always. I mean, definitely that aren't always the best. And I mean, like, I could see how he could, I guess, become popular. The Goo Goo Dolls were popular and stuff like that, you know, back. <laughs> Back in the late nineties, I I don't know. It, How I, is this related I, to the Goo Goo Dolls? I don't know, man. I tried. You're I tried attack to the Goo Goo Dolls like but that. I, I just I, I I don't know. It, it's it. I guess it's weird to me because he kind of goes against everything that people said worked for Obama, and kind of like what was said about that sixties debate. You know about the attractive, good-looking, composed. Uh, yeah. Under control guy, and I don't know how. I think by the time o- Obama ran for president, we were kind of done with that, and the fact that, frankly, he was looked different from what we had got before. So, before was like an appealing thing to a lot of people. <laughs> we, we, uh, so, like, you want something new, and Trump was, you know, the next step on like how out of the box a politician can be. You know, we've talked right. about this relentlessly on this show, but. Uh, a common interpretation of maybe Trump's popularity is him being the you know inverse of everything you expect from a politician takes on the face or the vanguard of like this kind of like populist revolt against the state of modern politics. Right. But uh, what I want to focus back on the issue for this episode is how does that translate into how we interact with media now? Yeah, and well, how is that I, different than like the modern age? Well, I think uh, that you know brings up an important point that he was he did die. McLuhan did die in 1980. Uh, you know what else happened in 1980? Ronald Reagan became president. It's kind of the birth of the Reagan Thatcher. Ronald era. Reagan and a lot of these books Kills. that we're looking at Marshall today. <laughs> <laughs> Put the numbers together, people. With Ted Cruz's father, actually, <laughs> um, a lot of these books come. Uh, on right after this, one of them was saying like you know it was written after Reagan, but it was saying we're still in the Reagan era, uh, and a lot of the critiques of the time, um, and I remember this being true when I was a kid. 
people saying, shoot your television, right? TV is rotten, gerrymander. This was a little bit before Reagan, but he wrote this book for arguments for the elimination of television. And so there are people around the Adbusters editorial staff. They were, were just these around. Conservative <laughs> people or liberal? L- people? What liberal? Or, well, left wing position. I think yeah. even uh, like radical. Uh, the it's radical really liberal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was it, the t- television for a long time was kind of a boogeyman of the left uh, and to the right to some extent. You mm-hmm. know, there was this dichotomy of like, um, I guess liberals were were opposed to violence on TV, then conservatives were opposed to sex and uh, you know drug use, whatnot. Um, but the left message was the TV is brainwashing you and you have to shoot it literally with a gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's a lot. Which a, it goes back into gun rights in the left, which, uh, you know, it does a 180 from the liberal perspective. But that's a different episode. <laughs> right. Do we know anybody with a gun we can do for an episode like that? We'll talk about this later. <laughs> but uh, in New York City, there's, you know, it would have to be illegal. It'd be illegal. Anyway, my, what I was trying to, well, I guess, to boil it down cool uh, is so what you you can't separate television the medium from the society that it's in. And obviously there are going to be certain people who control what goes on television, what, um, you know, people are viewing, what the messages people are getting out of it. And, uh, but that doesn't necessarily, there are a lot of people who are conflating that with the medium itself. And um, it doesn't seem like there was a lot back then of thinking about what television actually could be. Be. There was from some people, but um, I was wondering if you had some ideas about like some people who had more positive ideas of what they could achieve through this medium. It was a, it was basically the counterculture, like the '60s counterculture, that really embraced television. Um, I mean, okay, I mean, before that, I mean, we're talking about like the 1960s. Uh, when did Jerry Mander write his for? That was '78. Because he was saying that yeah. there's something like four major st- networks, yeah. major stations. Um, which is a hell of a lot more than there was, I think, back in in the 60s when you only had the big three. It was NBC, ABC, and CBS. Um, And then you had, you know, local affiliates, but most of your nationally, national content, like, you know, your evening news was coming from just three places. And it was very top-down. It was very controlled. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in 69, when Sony came out with the Port-A-Pack, I mean, that was like, the printing press being invented because now instead of having uh like just the church or your universities or um uh, uh, uh aristocracy people with money and power being in control of the kinds of uh, ideas that were being disseminated now you could get your hands on a video camera and television you know you know 16 millimeter you know had been uh around for a while super people could make movies you know uh but television you know it was faster it was cheaper uh it was more rapidly accessible um and so this was a big deal to people let's say like in the counterculture who didn't want to be told what to do Mm. and so you had people like the video freaks uh in uh in new england who i think actually um came together at woodstock some of their earliest tapes were made at woodstock they were doing um experimental projects um i mean just art projects but then also i think cbs at some point I believe it was at cbs uh maybe in the late 60s early 70s uh got hip to these guys and said hey let's give you your own show um and so what they did is they went on the road and they were interviewing black panthers they interviewed abby hoffman um it was kind of like uh it was almost kind of like that um that uh, howard beale show on network 
You know? Oh yeah. Except except uh, CBS blew their top when they saw it. And they're like, no, this is this is too wild. We Did can't. it get? Is this the first it, Vice? Are you talking is, about Vice? This, this is um. It was called. <laughs> it's the movie <laughs> Nightcrawler. We're oh. talking about the movie Nightcrawler. I got, it, I got it written down here. Hold on a second. What was it called? It was and this called, went on air. It had a pilot. It's called Subject okay. to Change. Subject to change, and it, uh, it never went, to, never went to, the, oh, never okay. went to series. Is there, are there, is there footage of it now? Is it, is it uh, out there? The for... video freaks actually, they just had. Uh, well, there's, there's a documentary that was just released, I think, in the past couple of years called "Here Come the Video Freaks." F R E E X, and they, they just had a, a, a show in Paris. Uh, a gallery show in Paris, and then uh, a screening series in Los Angeles just this month. Wow. So the people who started the collective are still around, and um, there's actually a really great archive on the web. It's Vasulka, uh, V as in Victor, A-S-U-L-K-A dot O-R-G. And that's a, it's an amazing repository for a lot of, of video art that came out in, in that era, uh, not just related to the video freaks, but... Um, uh, Radical Software, which was a popular zine, and that also has its own website. I think you just search Radical Software PDFs, and you can get every single one of them that was ever printed. But uh, Vasulka, the Vasulka Archive has, it's just an incredible resource for information on the kinds of art and the kinds of counterculture experiences that people were having with video at that time. Because it, it was really just an extension of, of, of the uh, 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 psychedelic experience, right. you know, which continues all the way up into the, uh, the internet age, too. I mean, Timothy Leary was a huge proponent, not just of, of television, uh, of like, uh, but uh, particularly the internet as well. I mean, it's there, so you can see the progression of democratization of information um, as people got the means to find their own voice. Not, yeah. you know, f- first video and then the web. You know, it's all it's all part of like um, of a of a, of a progression of a progression of technology and uh, democratization of ideas. Were okay, so there there were like film collectives in the sixties uh, and seventies that mm-hmm. maybe you know after the release of handheld cameras, you could kind of make your own content. But did they have any like play at all? Did they have any reach? There was pirate radio stations. Video Freaks, I think, was uh, operated one of the first pirate radio stations, and then yeah. I believe in the seventies. Or early '80s, it was Captain Midnight, who hijacked. I think it was a HBO or Showtime. People were hijacking the airwaves, satellite feeds all the time. Wow! So they were they were uh, they were hijacking actual TV feeds, actual TV feeds, and also wow. you know you know in 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 zines like Radical <coughs> Software and and others, uh, you could you know there's people who were selling tapes, trading tapes. Things like that. So I mean, you could, you know, if you had, if you had the right material, you could endlessly copy. You know, you make one tape and you dub it, you know, with another deck, and suddenly, you know, you can, you know, you. you I don't know if anybody remembers this, but you remember like you could catch uh, fuzzy porn uh, on on y'all. Y'all remember fuzzy porn? On what? Just on television. It's different you could, than like, furry porn, right? Well, no, nah, I mean like you mean the reception was there were yeah, not the fuzzy people necessarily. Nah, there was Scrambled. not. Nah, this isn't like a fetish I have. This is uh, but, <laughs> They're uh, like but a it's like a little fuzzy the, fuzzy porn, you know. The, the, the reception <laughs> would be bad, people. and you could but you could see like porn channels through it. So I mean, is it kind of like like, like Japanese porn does, well, but the I whole body? Like, it seems like you're talking. They it was almost is like that kind of yeah a physical internet. So they would almost like would trade these tapes and kind of doing this so would they, would they kind of hijack my... it like that would they kind of hijack it through like leaking through like i guess like a 
a wave or something I like that? I don't know exactly. Would it be like, clear? Would it be how it would work? I mean, again, I think it was Showtime. It was either Showtime or HBO that mm-hmm. had their signal, their signal hacked, uh, uh, pirated, and and that's when um, you know, Captain he wore a Max Headroom mask, so it must have been in the eighties. Wow. Um, I would like to add that many partners have described my body as a physical internet (laughs) because it is so interactive and full of uh, porn content. Yeah, my body's full of porn and cookies. (laughs) Uh, What does it even mean? (laughs) (laughs) You eat a lot of cookies. Yeah, I do. I eat cookies. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, you you Uh, can consume porn, man. But a lot of the the opposition to these things uh, from kind of – maybe networks and, and things like that it seems is it accurate to say that there's almost a conflation with of uh people <coughs> who want to do different things more you know talk about radical politics and stuff they would conflate that with you know just obscenity almost like getting somebody on tv to say you know the government's bad and all that stuff uh, you might as well be just having somebody have sex on uh, the airwaves or something like that and that conservatives don't like them both yeah, or that that you have to keep TV to a clean uh, to an extent, right? And that was, uh, yeah. I mean, how censorship? I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, how did that those early forms of censor, censorship develop during like the '60s and '50s, um, and how much of it was, in some ways, an attempt to uh, limit subversive content? I wonder because I, I mean. And you just like the I, I had to do a lot of like last minute catching up on this stuff today. And um, one of the things that uh, Rushkoff writes about in Media Virus is that um, early television, early network television was kind of like it played like a parental role mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And, and mm. it kind of set the cultural mandate. It set the moral mandate, uh, you know, things like, you know, cop shows, lawyer shows. You had corporations. Uh, and I don't know how much uh, how much of it was. um was influenced, you know, by government, you know, um, but, you know, they were basically telling people, like, this is how you have to behave, hmm. you know, uh, and then he, he, he uh, particularly uses cop shows um, as, a, as, as an example, going from, like, Dragnet, where you have, like, these moralistic black and white, you know, uh, 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 Joe Friday types, you know, where it's like, you know, this is the law, you know, we're throwing down the law, and this is how people have to behave, you know, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. And then there was a spinoff, Adam-12, which happened in the 60s. I don't remember when Dragnet actually first uh, aired, but Adam-12 was more about, you know, less about the detectives, you know, and, 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 and morality and more about, like, people on the beat and having to deal with, uh, you know, drug addicts um, and, uh, and hippies and, you know, you know, housewives who got their heads stuck in the toilet. You know, just humorous... Uh, humorous street street level uh, uh, kinds of, of of human behaviors, and then and then he goes off into Hill Street Blues, where it kind of turns back, and 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 you start to realize that the cops are no more uh, moralistic, let's say, than uh, the criminals in a lot uh, of cases. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you, you you it continues on into things like reality TV, and then you get cops. Um, so at, on a grand scale, it's subversive. If you look at every cop show over decades. I'm just saying, like, it becomes more subversive, like, as, I think, as, like, our cultural perception of the world becomes less and less black and white. I, I'm from, like, so, so I I used to do music, and I, I remember there was a time where blogs were really, like, independent, and they would, like, 
get you'd hear the freshest and coolest things on them right and as the moment that they started being monetized is when they got like a lot less subversive and i think that's also what happened with like cool things like when you were talking about video freaks i did mention vice and vice started off as like this thing where you know you could get a fucking free magazine of vice at at like a vintage store or something Mm -hmm. like that and you could watch episodes online of them going to like north korea and they're still i guess pretty subversive but you can just tell that they've really dumbed down when it comes to dollars and i think that's what ends up happening to like good stuff that's like free it it needs like a money-making model it needs a branding and it just fucking dies would you tie that though it, to monetization because like i would i mean i think yeah monetization's bad. i would especially like we all do stand up uh for the most part here in yeah. this room and like I, I i feel like the quality of shows takes a certain twist when people are expecting to get money. maybe make money like yeah. shows go on too long or you you just get ripped off while you're there and it's kind of unpleasant sometimes and, it makes them better to be honest <laughs> sometimes it makes them better but i i wouldn't tie that to the actual money making but my point is like in media in the reference of media is it the fact that you're making money or is it the fact that you're going out that you're applying uh again to the lowest common denominator just like tv was in the 60s i I think some of the the dopest shit is always gonna be free either free or doesn't really yet have a way to be monetized and then that's when people you know sharks and fucking people with because suits on they they see it and they're like well this is the way we will make money and then it suffers it it suffers for it it, it becomes i guess less cool and it becomes less counterculture and it just becomes part of the regular deal of things and you know like whereas vice used to like i said used to get like cool stuff now you do get cool stuff but you also get you know uh clickbait articles from them almost you know yeah well it seems like they're i mean we're talking earlier about you know being subversive and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and it seems like vice has found a way to definitely monetize that and that and they're not the only ones no you know you can that's can be sexy uh yeah and so you know fuzzy porn. yo i or, feel like the best example of what you're talking about and maybe you know even the timeline of this is wrong mm-hmm. but at least i remember like earlier facebook compared to later facebook felt like a totally different experience like you well, would just yeah. you could just go on talk shit on everybody's wall and it wouldn't really get around you just go talk to your friends and be a jackass we have yeah. what we have is we have more options right for mediums nowadays with like you get your snapchats you get your instagrams you get all these like your hulus your netflix but i feel like when it's more options, but it's not really more choices because of like algorithms and monetization and marketing. You go on there and you're kind of just fed the same thing. Like you kind of just bump into the same shit all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like exploration. Just because we have more options these days, I don't feel like we really see anything more. The you know? bubble, the media. Yeah. Like, yeah, the media bubble. Yeah, it's I feel like we're plugging hyper normalization again. <laughs> I well, feel no, like every no, episode no, we're just no, like no, no, never no, no. a bad it's, thing it's, though it's, really it's, no no but 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 that's I think that 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 speaks to well I, I, it seems like on Facebook uh, what has changed is that people do feel like they are um, a figure a public figure everybody everybody's who, the mayor 
Yeah. Some of y'all ain't the mayor. <laughs> well, but every, you know, who who's to say who is the mayor and who isn't, you know, it's That's me. Blocked. Blocked. <laughs> likes, right? It's a public likes. thing, yeah. We're it not defriending, but we're muting. Right. It, Unfollow. Unfollow. Right. Unfollow. In some ways, it is true that, you know, you it's different from just... You know, being a jackass on your friend's wall. Everything you say is a reflection of this persona that you put out there. It's just there's so many that the trick now has been trying to cultivate your own and, and promote it. Uh, yeah, in, in a brand I, I yeah. remember. I remember sort of around 2009. I don't know for some reason. Maybe that's just like when I started really thinking about this kind of stuff, um, like like the effects of social media, um, just like on my life and like on the world around me, but. Uh, it just seemed that like we're kind of like in a curatorial phase now, you know, where it's like you we have all yeah, you're right. We have all these options, but our options seem very limited. And you have these these uh, uh, systems like these communities like Facebook and Instagram, especially Instagram. Now, I mean, you know, now that they started, um, they have their algorithm that, that shows you all of the posts out of order. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't see half of the I mean, I see a lot of posts that I from the people whose work that I like. You know, but maybe someone who hasn't posted in forever, you know, like, and I haven't liked any of their stuff, I'll never know because their shit just doesn't pop up. And so now I've lost out on that experience. My experience is curated. Uh, I didn't ask for it. I never asked for it, but the, it's the experience that I have. And, you know, what are my options to keep using Instagram and to keep getting this <laughs> curated experience or to not use it and then to effectively, you know, miss out? You know, which I tried to do for a little while, and I realized that like I became very disconnected from everything, from the people you know whose lives I am interested in, and like I could call them up, I could send them an email. Like I mean, well, except for that, people don't don't really communicate that way anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like it's really changed all of us. Like this, you know, uh, living in this 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 media environment, like. I mean, who talks on the phone anymore? Very few people. It's all text based. It's all social media based. Um, you know, people and people expect that too. That like you're going to be on Instagram. That you're going to see what they're doing. They expect you're going to be on <laughs> Facebook. That you're going to like what what they're saying. You know, when you call them up out of the blue and say, "Hey, what's up? I haven't seen you in a long time." People are just like, "Hey, actually, I'm busy. You know, can you hit me up later? Send me a text." You know, it's like <laughs> I'm not, gramming not right now. I'm gra I can't I'm be. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, I mean that's just sort of like the the media environment that we live in, and that's one of the things that McLuhan says in Media is a Message that all media's are environments. You know, it's not just it's not just this thing. It's not just TV is a medium. You know, it's not that's just interesting. that books are a medium. That they're environments. They're 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 uh, uh, they're ways of thinking. They're uh, they're types of behaviors. You know, oh, shaping shaping realities, maybe exactly. No, then that's 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 actually a huge huge point that he makes in the book. Yeah, is that when uh, our media changes, when our relationship to the media changes, um, it also our behavior also changes along with that. I think I think we have I think we have very weird expectations with based on the type of stuff that we consume. I feel like it gives us expectations about life and stuff like that. You you'll hear like. You'll hear people say all the time, like, man, I really got to step up my social media. <laughs> like, uh, and it's it's the worst thing. It's uh, the worst thing ever. But yeah. it's it's how we communicate it nowadays. It just sounds so sad. It does, it does yeah. sound very it's sad. It's like, man, I got to work harder at nothing. <laughs> the thing, though, that I <laughs> always remind myself, and this is as someone who got a smartphone, like, 
a week Last ago. week? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been uh, a big week for Anders right. fans. So I'm still new to a lot of social media stuff, and it's challenging, and it does, yeah, sometimes it feels daunting and kind of, like, depressing or whatnot. And and it it's also can be unnerving to think about, like, say, I really figure this out, and that's I get really good it. it took really you so long to follow me on Instagram. Is it? Well, yeah, because I didn't have – honestly, that's why I did it, because I had an iPod <laughs> two years ago, and then Beeps I lost coming it. out on the Then left I got a smartphone, and I finally – yeah. But uh, now that I have a smartphone, I can fo- fo- follow me on Instagram, Dursley1, and I'll follow you back. Anybody. Say my Instagram really blows up. and Like, that is unnerving to think about. Like, I'm a, everybody knows me for this persona or whatever. Yeah. But at the height of that, I'm and all of us, we're still going to be able to walk down the street and get a cup of coffee, and the people will have no idea who we are. Uh, you know, I mean, you a know? couple of people might stop yeah, you. A couple, but, like, it's not... We're, the, that's the comforting thing about it is like I don't know that celebrity is going to exist in the same way. I know people that are like popping on Instagram and like they'll get like shows out of it or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's just it's you sit back like I've been to them before and you sit back and it's very weird. It's very, very weird because they'll ask their like fans like, so what did I do three months ago? Can you guys like like almost quizzing them? And and there's no like real like talent involved. It's just you are right. a face on a screen, not really doing much. Because yeah, but that's you know it's I mean? a different medium. There's charisma, you know. You know, I mean, I, what makes a good Instagram feed? You know, like okay, talk ass, about media. Talk about what medium. Talk about titties. <laughs> no, I mean like uh, you know, I follow. I don't listen to Action Bronson at all. Like if you played one of his songs, I mean, I would not. I wouldn't be able to pick it out of a lineup. Ian, mm-hmm. thanks so much for coming in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can't nah, have you nah. on the podcast anymore. But, uh, but I get you. You're, no, you're, but no, but it's like I love his Instagram feed. I, I, it seems like the lesson to take away from that is that it's not necessarily the same medium as live performance. And I, you just because you have a funny Instagram doesn't make you a good. I think what, what what's healthy for me and the approach that I'm going to begin taking is because, you know, I love, I love performing stand-up. But I also – I want to put out content online. But I think – I think it's best to step away from the step away from it and only come back to it when you have something to offer. And, you know, it's a good way to build things. But when it becomes something that you're consumed with on a day to day basis, when it becomes a part of like your mental routine and it becomes a part of like, uh, I don't know, your joy. Yeah, I think it could definitely it could affect you in negative ways and it like i said it could fuck up your expectations about what the world is like you know um right if you uh, yeah. yeah you have to have a balance you got to know how to pimp it you do you do have to know how to pimp right. it right kind um. of bring it back around to the um like the the whole like you know media theory thing that we were talking about before one of the things that gene youngblood writes about in expanded cinema i mean he has he has like these three concepts there's like the biosphere which is the network of, of all living things. And then he has the noosphere, which is the network of all knowable things. And then there is the mediosphere or the datasphere, which is a network of all information and ideas. And that's kind of represented by television. And uh, at the time, again, media was what television, cinema, radio, uh, and print, you know, and he, of course, extrapolated that computers would bring <coughs> in like this <coughs> new level of 
of, of, of connectivity and interactivity. But I think that's ultimately what we are searching for in all of this is not like someone from the top to tell us the way things are. Someone from the top to tell us like, this is how you should speak to everyone else. This is how you should behave. Like television was doing in the 650s and 60s. I mean, the 40s is when television really started. So it's like with social social media, you know, Facebook and Twitter, it's really about people kind of being more in charge of what they want to hear, what they want to see, who they want to talk to, the ideas that like that they want to express and the ideas that they want to take in, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. The only reservation I, I have with uh, maybe more democratized media is that everything feels too fast all of the time. Like there's yeah. a big controversy on Twitter over the weekend about Nick Mullen. And I saw a lot of posts that were just saying, like, I don't know what he did. They are on a Facebook post he did in 2014 or something. Uh, and he says all kinds of offensive shit. I'm sure he deserved it. But there, the, the remaining sen- prevailing sentiment that stuck with me is try explaining any of the controversy that's happening on Twitter today to a friend who's not on the internet. Can you try And you us? cannot. Yeah, no, yeah. I can't. I, I don't even understand what happened. I'm on Wait, Twitter what, what, like what every day. What happened? My, is... my point is like if you're not on social media for even a day it's almost impossible to catch up and i don't yeah, know if that's like speeding through twitter feeds and it's exhausting well yeah i mean there are there are people who will write you yeah, think piece about it and something that go through the weeds and sum everything up well, yeah. uh, and now they have moments twitter has moments now like where they 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 aggregate you know it's like i didn't uh, i don't have t i don't actually i don't have cable uh but um, you know when Rachel Maddow came out a couple of days ago and said she had Trump tax returns, you know, on her show tonight, whatever time it's on, I was like, oh well, I wish I could watch that. I can't because you know I don't have TV. Uh, so the next day, I just go and logged on to Twitter, went to Moments, <laughs> and uh, I figured that would be where I would catch up, and that's where I did, you know. Wow. So I mean, like they are they are making it possible to to keep up now. I Twitter do- Moments is funny though. I do miss when when media was or things were a little bit more. Sc- scarce and i i i miss those days i miss when you could like record something or like you had to like search for something you know what i mean and it it was niche and it was cool i have a friend who works almost entirely uh in a vhs the medium now you know Mm -hmm. i mean like it's hard it's hard to find the gear it's hard to find you know raw stock you know but he doesn't let that stop him from from having the kind of like creative experience that he needs. Shout out to uh, Sherry Barclay, the station manager at KPIS, who is a VHS enthusiast and actually um, has left a copy of Gross Point Blank here on display. It's true. <laughs> it's here every week yeah. behind the Left Jazz podcast. <laughs> there used to be a few more, but I think I think it's like a uh, sort of a library. Why and, would um, you do that? Have you noticed that like, no matter no, where I mean, you are in the shipping crate, like John Cusack's eyes seem to follow you? <laughs> yeah, it's that's true. more and about John looks, Cusack uh, than it is. Who's that with him? Very, That's uh, Mini, Mini, Mini Driver. Driver. Oh, Mini Driver. She's a, she's a hottie. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a budding really career. Mini Driver. Yeah, what happened she's to her, man? Why did she 90s. fall off? You know, she, I thought she'd be like a hipster's dream. You know, like yeah, I think she's I just, doing great, man. Wait, is she still yeah, she, is she still in movies? She's still like how long do you need to be in movies for your set for life? Yeah. That's like ten point. years. I mean, yeah. why isn't she in like some some cool films now? Why isn't she? Why isn't in, like, she in the driver's seat? Why, uh, Mini Driver? Why? If you're listening, call in. <laughs> we want to hear from you. We want to know where you've been. Yeah. And now you guys talk about like how everything is happening now. And again, going back to Rushkoff, who's sort of like, I, I in 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 my estimation, has really picked up the torch from McLuhan. 
Um, is he Russian, by the way? No, I think he's I think he's Jewish. All right, he's like I think he's from from the United States. It's that powerful uh, name, but um, the Red Army of names. He's got a he's got a he's got a great podcast called Team Human. I, I recommend checking it out. Um, We're but, all on Team Human, folks. <laughs> uh, he wrote a really great book called Present Shock: uh, When Everything Happens Now. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, it is a thing that I think a lot of people are feeling is that, you know, there's like this information overload and we all have too many choices, you know, um, and, and one of the th- one uh, the, the kind of attitude that he likes to um, to uh, proselytize, you know, is that like you, you can always choose none of the above, you know, is mm. that there is a, there's more information coming at us now than ever before. I think one of the one of the, the, the last times I really felt present shock was um, that uh, there was like this Amazon fire. Uh, stick commercial with Gary Busey in addition to being like you know shocking seeing him on TV anytime is that you know <laughs> 250,000 movies at your fingertips 250,000 or yeah. some insane number of films that I'll never have the time to watch and it's just like I don't need this I don't I don't need this Amazon bullshit I don't need Netflix and you know it's kind of sickening that you know there's just so much choice now what do you do what do you do in the face of all of that yeah very true and that's something that uh, i was just reading one of the network heads back in the day was saying part of the genius in his view of television is that it was all about choice so you could you couldn't watch everything all at once you had to choose gonna watch cbs and that i think what makes me stronger and cooler as a person is the things that i don't watch and the (laughs) things that i blatantly reject there i just feel like there are some choices that you have to make where i'm like i'm not listening to that and i'm not watching that right. and i'm a better person for it the biggest revolt fans agree with us on although that. it is my super if i had a superpower it would be content consumption really if I could, yes wait so you're saying if you got a new superpower it would be content <laughs> consumption see <laughs> i yes. think what, what, does you, what's your superpower what's your current superpower uh, I can move my scalping ears at the same time. <laughs> it's true. It's very, I think, very I think cool. there's a certain level of ignorance that makes somebody cool. I don't well, know what you're talking about. I think you're right. No, I mean, it's like that you're discerning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that you're not going to. Yeah, that's right. why I That's why I enjoy. Like, And now it's starting to get a lot more popular is, is I enjoy Rotten Tomatoes. I love the fact that we have a Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> because these are critics who are getting paid to acclaim Help you things. not waste your... Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're helping us not to waste time. Right. May but, I, you know, I don't think it's always a waste of time to watch a bad movie. May I ask, movie. how did you feel about Rotten Tomatoes before? What do you, Before what? You said you now like Rotten Tomatoes? Well, no, 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 no. Now they're being brought up. Like when a movie debuts, they're like now bringing up on the screen. They're a player. 93% right. Rotten Tomatoes score. And that wasn't happening like a year ago. But now like Rotten Tomatoes is in the equation. Like c- critics... Because we have a lot of media and because there's a lot of things being thrown at us, critics are now revered almost as artists now. I think it is a valid – yeah, I think it is a valid art form. I mean the the very fact that you have spoiler alerts Mm -hmm. um, just shows that there are – the peop- the the reviews are written for people who have already seen the movie. Yeah, you know, so that and and the spoiler alert tells you if the Green Party is in the film. The the, the, <laughs> the crazy thing is, let's there just are people, podcast. Uh, yes. Anyway, I something I kind of wanted to get, uh, close on maybe is the so a lot of this stuff. Um, 
I wasn't super familiar with growing like I you know heard about McLuhan never really read it but somebody who I really was into as a teenager uh, Chomsky so he manufacturing consent uh, was his book 88 I think and him and Edward Herman and they wrote it about how there's a propaganda model in the United States and they didn't get cu- too caught up in the idea of media necessarily and like all these the sensorial thing so much it was more about what the uh, powers that be are trying to push what the narrative is that they want pushed so how does that how would you reconcile that with McLuhan's theory um, to kind of maybe politicize it a little bit well it was always political i mean that concept of propaganda and pr and media was it was um edward bernays who um i mean kind of bring it back around to um adam curtis adam curtis yeah right century this is the, the adam curtis cent- podcast cent- Thank you for doing century it. of the self every week no but uh, if you read propaganda by bernays like i mean bernays was uh, the cousin of of, Sig- of sigmund freud Freud? The, I Freud? think the nephew. I just nephew, saw this movie yeah. last week. Nephew. The mother, actually. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. nephew, and he. It was. It was one of his. It, it was his job, I think, to uh, uh, get the American public to get on board with uh, joining the war, um, uh, in in uh, uh, to joining World War Two, um, to entering the war, um, and afterwards he became. He was basically the first madman. You know, so it's always been political, like PR propaganda. You know, media—the idea that like you can use it to control people, control people's behavior again, right. because the media that we use often defines how we behave. <coughs> um, you know, that's it's 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 inherent. It's part of the DNA of of media. Sure. And if, if anybody wants to, to, sorry, just quick interjection. If anybody does want to follow up on this and like sort of follow along, the movie we're talking about is called The Sense of Self, and it's on YouTube. Century of the Self. Century of the Self. Sorry. Something that's important to point out too is propaganda didn't always have a negative i mean it wasn't always a bad thing and maybe you know propaganda doesn't have to be it's the same as we could have propaganda for good stuff right and maybe that's what we can do with some of these ideas brushing Uh, your teeth has a lot of propaganda anything you watch as a child is propaganda yeah right so and i guess to kind of close what are some ways that we can take these ideas and things that um maybe have been used to sell products and uh promote powerful institutions and do terrible things. Well, what are some ways we can take those same things and use them for uh, good? Ian, do you have any thoughts? I mean, I'd like to think that, like, people, you know, well, you know, I think being inherently selfish, you know, are also, like, altruistic, you know, uh, you know, politics and ideologies aside, like, you know, we, uh, media in general, I guess, can be used to promote a lot of positive things it just it really depends on the situation you know what do we have now i mean part of our conversation was about like you know the fall of television and i'm sorry we didn't get into that you know more more deeply because it's like you know where does that leave us you know we have social media we have you know people cutting the cable you know we have people choosing you know uh, uh choosing to curate their own experiences and i think part of like what the the uh, again going bringing this back around to McLuhan is that you know that the, there's possibility for media to um ostracize ourselves from each other because now we can be independent and so there are some you know there are definitely positive things that happen out there but that's the signal right there's mm-hmm. the signal and then there's the noise and it's kind of like you know we need just to keep the signal higher than the noise because right? there's a lot of noise out there and it's very loud 
Yeah, we gotta we gotta wrap this up, guys. <laughs> guys, do you have any uh, plugs or anything you want people to check out um, to listen to the show? Hopefully, uh, you you people like live comedy and live humor because every Sunday at forty seven thirty eight Vernon Boulevard in Long Island City, who this comedy show it goes on? I host it with uh, Christine, Christina Galston. So you know, uh, come out, watch some live comedy eight o'clock long island city who this comedy show that's at uh what's the name of the club again the standing room standing room standing room boom almost the called the laughing devil in, in room, room. Right. and not <laughs> do not go to the stand <laughs> and don't go, Wait, to go to the, no, no no go to the stand but you know it comes funny to not, room. funny to know a lot of when people were checking in for at standing rock during the dapl protest a lot of people they were checking in at room. standing room ha! Kind of a funny little uh, Ian, do you have anything you want to plug? People should just uh, check out the magazine, or uh, you know, uh, all all opinions expressed here are on my own. Are, are my own. I mean, definitely. <laughs> uh, this is, this really has no no affiliation with American Cinematographer. Uh, but you know, if you guys did pick up uh, a subscription, like by or, accident or something, yeah, by accident, yeah. maybe if like, you yeah, slipped and picked up exactly, a, American you know, or like it's. <laughs> Uh, 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 you happen to like purchase one at Barnes and Noble, you know, or uh, but you are on Instagram, right? I am, I, 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 and I'm a follower, yeah. right? Yeah, so check them uh, out. What's your Instagram? My Instagram is uh, Doctor Ultimately Dr Ultimately at Instagram. At All Insta- right, at, cool. At, at Instagram. And then uh, Andrews and I are putting on that show April twelfth at Star Bar in, Bro- in Bushwick. Please yeah. come to that. Check it out. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in, Left Jest. Hell Ooh. yeah. Thank you for joining us live on the air. My pleasure. One nation under God has turned into one nation under the influence of one drug. Television.